Hey everybody, welcome to today's episode of the Extemper's Bible. I just want to start off by thanking everybody for tuning into the podcast. Make sure you hit that follow button. We're on Spotify, Google Podcasts, and Anchor.fm, as well as a couple smaller podcast stations if you want to check it out. Also, make sure to check out our Instagram, at the Extemper's Bible, and make sure you give us a follow. We'll follow you right back. There are a couple projects I'm looking forward to when I'm editing right now. Hopefully, those should be up, uploaded in the next couple of days. And in the meantime, let's just jump straight into the news with this episode of the Extemper's Bible. So as a notoriously challenging country to rule over, there's a well-deserved name amongst the foreign policy community used to describe Afghanistan, the graveyard of empires. Because whether it was the British, the Soviets, or others, many countries have packed their bags and headed home after failed missions in the Central Asian country. And now it seems as if the United States will be no exception to that rule. Since 2001, the U.S. has maintained a heavy military presence in the country, where you've attempted to fight back against the Taliban and rebuild the Afghani government. And yet, unfortunately, these efforts have amassed little success and had a high humanitarian toll, both on U.S. soldiers and innocent Afghani civilians. Fortunately, though, there seems to be hope that a breakthrough will take place in recent negotiations between the United States and the Trump administration, as well as the Taliban. So let's quickly go over a timeline of what's recently unfolded and what's likely to come in the coming months. So, on February 29th of this year, the U.S. agreed to slowly withdraw its near 12,000 troops within a 14-month period if the Taliban agreed to the terms of a tentative peace agreement. The agreement called for a one-week ceasefire between the U.S. and the Taliban, and a prisoner swap between the U.S. and the Taliban as well. Now, at this point, hopefully you're noticing a trend, and if you're not, I'll give you a hint. The Afghani government has been largely excluded from these negotiations and wasn't even an official party of that deal. So it makes sense then why on March 1st, just two or three days after, the Afghani government rejected the U.S. and Taliban's calls for a prisoner swap, putting the government and the agreement into jeopardy. But by March 10th, luckily, Ashraf Ghani, who is the president of Afghanistan, agreed to swap 1,500 Taliban prisoners, but it was conditional only if the Taliban agreed not to return combat. But knowing the Taliban, they declined that, and, and on March 11th, they rejected the swap proposal. Since then, negotiations have been taking place to keep this delicate deal from crumbling apart. But many foreign policy analysts have rightfully doubted the Taliban's commitment to their aforementioned agreements. So let's take a look at a couple reasons why this peace deal remains so fragile in the future of the Central Asian country. Now, the first issue negotiators will have to deal with is resumed violence, because back in late February, Trump said he would give the green line on the peace deal if there was a one-week ceasefire. Lo and behold, there was a ceasefire that more or less held its ground. But the Taliban has already gone back to its old ways, announcing back on March 2nd that it planned to resume operations. Already, they've attacked the eastern part of the country, killing three people and injuring 11 more. And that was just one terrorist attack. There have been countless others. Moreover, even if a ceasefire does hold, keep in mind it would only be between the United States and the Taliban, once again notoriously leaving out the Afghan security forces, who make up the majority of the anti-Taliban coalition's ground forces. That's why we've seen this violence as a constant threat. And if the country where the violence is taking place doesn't even approve of this deal, then it'll have very little legitimacy, both in the eyes of the Afghani government and their people, 
and very likely the international community as well. Now, the second big problem has to do with the issue of political legitimacy. The Taliban, supposing it does eventually put down arms, would still want power through another way, political representation. And again, this is problematic because Afghanistan's constitution from 2004 is antithetical to the views of the Taliban. For example, it protects the freedom of speech and freedom of education for women. And yet in areas run by the Taliban, we haven't seen those same rights extended to women. So that begs a legitimate question then. What would politics look like in a country where a terrorist organization that suppresses the rights of women becomes a political party? And the final big problem is that the Taliban has no incentive to stick with the deal. As things currently stand, the Taliban controls about 60% of all the territory in Afghanistan, which means that they govern more of the country than the Afghani people's government does. The US recognized that by all means, the Taliban has the upper hand, that at one point or another, we would have to ramp down a near 20-year-old war older than most of this podcast's listeners. And with the United States desperate to pull out its troops, as evidenced by Trump's quick pullout in Syria, the Afghanistan's Taliban could use that to its advantage and weaken the conditions of a peace deal to the point where it's nothing more than a symbolic victory for Afghanistan and a political win for Trump. And that's why we've seen him so desperate to have a peace deal before the elections, something that would help boost his chances, especially with a faltering economy on the line. And at that point, they would have the added benefit of having no more U.S. troops in the country anymore, a big win for a terrorist organization where a sizable challenge to them has been American troops. Now, this all reminds me of what happened in Vietnam back in the 1970s. I forgot who said it, but it reminds me of the saying, we're leaving Afghanistan just like we left Vietnam, defeated but not humbled. Because you see, this negotiation process eats a similar resemblance to the peace process in Vietnam during the 1973 Paris Peace Accords. As the Washington Post writes, quote, just as Trump stuck his Taliban deal with little input from Kabul, Nixon negotiated the North with North Vietnam over the heads of our allies in South Vietnam. Then, as now, the president's goal was a politically beneficial way out of an endless war inherited from predecessors, not a long-term stabilization plan. Fighting between North and South Vietnam paused, but never really ended until April 30th, 1975, when the North's troops conquered Saigon. The United States, politically exhausted and distracted by Watergate, did nothing to stop them. Again, same story, different era. Now, I don't want this entire speech to sound pessimistic. Just as, in hindsight, pulling out of Vietnam was a good thing, Afghanistan will probably be as well. But for this peace deal to be successful, such a peace agreement needs to be more carefully deliberated and include everyone, including the Afghani government. If the United States pulls out as quickly as it wants, we'll be abandoning our allies and, worst of all, our own morals. And the blame doesn't just fall on Trump for the United States' abysmal negotiations, but Obama and Bush, too. So hopefully the next president, whether it be four more years of Trump or a Democrat, learns from the mistakes of our predecessors, does not rush things, and plays the long game in Afghanistan, so that the deaths of Afghani civilians and American troops wasn't in vain. Hey everybody, I hope you enjoyed that episode as much as I did, because I think the political process in Afghanistan is especially interesting. If you want any more informational briefings about a different topic, just let me know and I'll create one. And also, 
if you want to have an interview in the future and you think that's something that you'd be interested in, DM me on Instagram at the Extempers Bible. I read through all of the DMs. And yeah, I'm really excited to have more people on the podcast. I know we have a couple interviews coming up that I'll be publishing in the next couple of days and some more informational videos and stuff like that. So yeah, make sure to follow us on Instagram, follow this podcast, and thanks for tuning in. Until next time.